0: Hello, everybody. I am John Allen, the editor of Crux, and this is Last Week in the Church. On today's menu, here's what we've got for you. A high-profile, high-controversy Vatican conference featuring the likes of Joe Perry, Cindy Crawford, and Chelsea Clinton. The Chimp Lady joins forces with Rome. Uh, Ordinary Joes and Working Stiffs the Pope doesn't support. Francis backs Biden on climate change, and finally, expectations of the Pope. That's what's waiting for you on the other side, so please stick around. All right, before we start diving in today, a brief announcement. Uh, The team of hyper-intelligent, neuro-connected, artificial intelligence empaths that we keep tethered in a special chamber of the palace of Crooks Catholic Media here in Rome, has determined that this show will have a larger potential audience if we release it on Mondays rather than Fridays. Now, uh, coming up with conclusions like that is precisely the reason we keep those empaths chained in our basement. Who am I to question their dicta? So, uh, beginning next week, uh, Last Week in the Church is going to premiere on Mondays rather than Fridays, which means there will be no show next Friday, April 23rd. There will be a show on Monday, April 26th, and every Monday thereafter. So please, mark your calendars, set your alerts, whatever you do to remind yourselves of things like this. Uh, we are going Mondays. By the way, those Impas share a chamber in our basement immediately next to our team of ninja assassins. So, you know, just something to bear in mind, the next time you're inclined to badmouth Crux on social media, um, we do have options. Just saying. All right, uh, we begin this week with a high-profile, high-controversy Vatican conference on health. Italian Cardinal Gianfranco Ravasi, if you will forgive the colloquial expression, is an interesting dude. Uh, Ravazzi, who is now 78 years old, uh, was the prefect of the Ambrosian Library in Rome uh, when he was plunked out of that relative obscurity to become head of the Pontifical Council for Culture under Pope Benedict XVI, and he has retained that position under Pope Francis. R- Ravazzi is the classic smartest kid in class. Okay, uh, We're talking about a man here who once told me that uh, he's always been gifted with the ability to get by on very little sleep. He sleeps about three or four hours a night. Uh, So he spends those wee hours late into the night in the early morning reading. Uh, And he's not just reading church stuff, although uh, he has read every Catholic text of consequence ever written probably, Uh, but he's also reading sci-fi novels. Uh, He loves Asimov uh, and so on. Uh, He reads obscure Romanian philosophers. He reads romance novels. He he reads everything. He is, from a literary point of view, completely omnivorous. Uh, And because he is the smartest kid in class, he has never felt the need to march to the beat of anybody else's drum. He does his own thing. At various points in his life, he has been considered an arch conservative. He has been considered a flaming liberal and everything in between. The truth of it is, he's just his own cat. Uh, he, he does his own thing. Uh, and so it is uh, that Cardinal Ravazzi, who is head of the Vatican's Council for Culture, is presiding over this fifth international conference, this one dedicated to health care, uh, which has a lineup of, well, <laughs> you know, to call it idiosyncratic or to call it diverse would be to do injustice to those two words. Uh, so, it features Anthony Fauci. Now, that makes sense, right? Because Fauci is the head of the anti-COVID effort in the United States. Yes, he is controversial in some quarters, but anybody who's ever done anything of consequence in this world was controversial to someone. Uh, but it also features people like Joe Perry of Aerosmith. Uh, now, you know, before you start getting on a high horse about why is Joe Perry at this conference, I would simply point out to you, number one, Joe Perry is partly responsible for the song Dream On, probably one of the top five rock songs ever recorded. Secondly, Joe Perry markets a remarkably delicious brand of hot sauce. So don't knock Jay Perry. Joe Perry, is my message. Uh, but uh, in addition to Perry, there is Cindy Crawford, the actress, uh, Chelsea Clinton, Uh, the daughter of former President Bill Clinton uh, and people beyond. Uh, And you might ask why? Well, because all of them are involved in citizen activism around health care in one way or another, uh, and that's one of the threads that this conference is intended to address. Now, of course, uh, in certain Catholic circles, uh, all of this has been a source of deep consternation. Uh, In one of the more predictable developments in recent memory, uh, Italian Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, uh, he of the great Jacques uh against Pope Francis, uh, accusing the Pope of covering up uh, McCarrick's, Cardinal McCarrick's uh, sexual misconduct and abuse, uh, who has since gone on to become kind of, I don't know, like the chaplain of the Catholic QAnon crowd, um, a, who uh, sort of has this... Uh, sort of uh, conspiratorial belief uh, in the emergence of a liberal, secular, one-world government, uh, and is accusing the Vatican under Pope Francis of being complicit uh, in all of that. Uh, Archbishop Vigano issued a stinging sort of indictment uh, of this conference, Uh, but uh, that's sort of an extreme position. I mean, there certainly are far more reasonable and moderate Catholics who nevertheless would be troubled, I suppose, Uh, at the idea of the Vatican giving a platform to people who quite clearly represent values and worldviews at odds with Orthodox Catholic teaching. What this really comes down to is, what do you think the purpose of an invitation to speak at the Vatican is? Now, if you believe the purpose is to echo and agree with Catholic teaching, then that's one thing. If you believe, on the other hand, the purpose is to engage shapers of culture who may not share Catholic values and Catholic convictions, but nevertheless are people of influence and the, the church needs to be in dialogue with these folks, uh, then that leads to a very different conclusion. Uh, obviously, Cardinal Rivazi and the team at the, uh, the Council for Culture uh, has embraced that second option. This conference is going to unfold May 6th through the 8th. I promise you full, exacting, detailed, saturation coverage on the Crux site. We will have this covered like saran wrap, ladies and gentlemen. That is cruxnow.com, cruxnow.com, so please follow it. All right. Uh, Second up this week, the Chimp Lady joins forces with Rome. Uh, on that lineup of speakers at the Conference for the Council of Culture will also be Jane Goodall, uh, who is famous around the world uh, as the foremost advocate, uh, the, 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 the leading research expert uh, on chimpanzees, uh, and also the foremost advocate for sort of the rights and dignity uh, of chimpanzees. Uh, She will be speaking at that conference uh, on health, but uh, she also recently joined Cardinal Peter Turkson of Ghana, who is the prefect of the Vatican's dicastery for integral human development uh, and one of the closest aides, intimates, allies uh, of Pope Francis in the Catholic hierarchy. Uh, He and Jane Goodall recently held a virtual press conference to talk about biodiversity, Uh, and the importance uh, of promoting biodiversity. Uh, Goodall, uh, in the course uh, of this virtual news conference, described Pope Francis as a source of hope for all humanity and praised what she saw as the Vatican's environmental advocacy and its increasing sensitivity to biodiversity. Cardinal Turkson, for his part, Uh, talked about the loss of biodiversity as one of the most significant consequences uh, of global warming and global climate change, pledged the Vatican support for the protection uh, of biodiversity, and also uh, praised the work and legacy uh, of Jane Goodall. Uh, Now, once again, uh, this is one of those things uh, that if you are a more sort of traditionalist Catholic that thinks the church really for the most part ought to restrict its energies to preaching the gospel in the strict sense and saving souls. Uh, Then seeing a Vatican Cardinal and spokesperson of the Pope shoulder by shoulder with Jane Goodall pitching biodiversity uh, as a sort of burning contemporary ethical concern might rub you the wrong way. Uh, On the other hand, uh, if you are one of those Catholics that likes the idea uh, of the church being engaged uh, in the social issues of the day, uh, you know, in the language of the Second Vatican Council, having concerns for the joys and hopes and also the sorrows and anxieties uh, of modern women and men, uh, then this is something that you're going to like. In any event, uh, it is a remarkable thing. I mean, Jane Goodall is a big deal. Uh, she has a huge cultural footprint. There have been movies made about her, books written about her. Uh, There are lots of imitations that Jane Goodall gets that she doesn't take, all of which illustrates uh, that no matter who you are, uh, it is very difficult to say no to an invite from the Pope. Uh, All right, third uh, on the lineup this week, ordinary Joes and working stiffs whose back the Pope doesn't quite fully have. So uh, in Italy recently, now it, this is hardly just in Italy, it's, it's taken place all around the world, but Italy is particularly important, of course, because it's the Pope's backyard, right? Uh, in Italy recently, there have been protests against government-imposed restrictions uh, as an effort to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Uh, last week, there were protests by Restaurant workers, so waiters and waitresses, kitchen staff, bus boys. uh, And uh, there were also protests by the national airline carrier, Alitalia. Uh, So we're talking about pilots, flight attendants, baggage handlers, office workers. Uh, Because, of course, both restaurants and air travel are industries that have been heavily impacted by the COVID crisis. Uh, In both cases, these workers took to the streets. In one case, they actually blocked a national highway between Naples and Rome uh, in order to argue that they ought to be allowed to do their thing, that restaurants should be reopened, air travel should be cleared, that these restrictions, they argue, are killing them. They are making it, they're making them poor, they're making it impossible for them to take care of their families. I mean, the signs were heartbreaking. It's like we're not asking for a handout. All we want is to work. All we're asking is for the ability to do our jobs and make a living, take care of our kids, right? Now, ordinarily, working stiffs and ordinary Joes taken to the streets because they're being hampered by governments and big-time capitalism would be an automatic slam dunk Uh, in terms of getting a thumbs up from Pope Francis, the champion of the underdog. However, in this case, Pope Francis and his Vatican team not only didn't say anything, but the Vatican media, or sorry, media here in Italy that writes and talks about the Vatican was full of conjecture that the Vatican was actually strongly against these protests, and Francis and the Vatican didn't say anything. They allowed that impression to stand. Why? Well, because Pope Francis is also a big supporter of public health measures to contain the spread of the COVID pandemic. He has been from the beginning. When the Italian bishops were gearing up to push back on religious freedom grounds, he publicly used one of his daily live stream masses to call them to obedience. He has repeatedly talked about the obligation that Catholics have as good citizens to obey and follow the restrictions imposed to protect public health on the basis of scientific and medical expertise. Here's the thing. A pope, like any other leader, doesn't just have one core value. They sometimes have several, and occasionally those core values come into conflict. This is such a case for Pope Francis. His value, his, uh, no doubt he is heartsick for the fate of these waiters and these baggage handlers who can't put food on the table for their kids because they can't work right now. On the other hand, Pope Francis also is a big believer that the proper relationship between faith and science is that scientific conclusions need to be taken seriously by people of faith and religious conclusions need to be respected by people of science. And on the basis of that conviction, he has this value that people of faith are obliged to respect and obey the restrictions currently being imposed by public authorities on the basis of public health considerations. Those two values, it's like, you know, it's the square peg round hole dynamic. In this case, it is interesting to see which of those core values, so far at least, has prevailed uh, in the mind of Pope Francis. All right. Fourth, Francis backs Biden on climate change. So one of the big news stories, uh, certainly in the United States, but really all around the world over the last couple of days, uh, has been this climate change summit convened by U.S. President Joe Biden, April 22nd and April 23rd. Uh, in conjunction with uh, International Earth Day. Uh, and this summit was really intended to mark the reemergence of the United States after the Trump years uh, as a leader in the global fight against climate change. President Biden made some ambitious commitments uh, on, part, on the part of the United States to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions, challenged the rest of the global community to do the same. Uh, And uh, as part of this summit, various global leaders were invited to make brief remarks, uh, among them Pope Francis. Pope Francis accepted. uh, He recorded a brief video message for the summit, which was broadcast yesterday. Uh, In this video message, Pope Francis talked about how humanity has a duty to heal, protect, and carry forward the environment for future generations. Now, of course, none of this is anything Pope Francis hasn't said multiple times uh, since his encyclical Laudato Si uh, on care for our common home in 2015. Pope Francis is uh, well known uh, as a champion of the global environmental movement and the fight against climate change. It is nevertheless significant, of course, that the Pope agreed to record this message and to participate uh, in a summit convened by President Joe Biden at a time when some Catholics uh, in the United States are angry with the Biden administration on a variety of different fronts. Most recently this week, the Biden administration filed an appeal uh, against a federal court that had uh, issued an injunction against a mandate as part of the uh, healthcare reform program that would have required medical personnel in the United States to assist transgender individuals in sex change operations. Now, many Catholic organizations in the United States, some bishops, some dioceses, Had objected to that provision, arguing that it overrode the conscience decisions of healthcare workers who did not feel in good conscience they could participate in those procedures. Uh, A federal court uh, upheld that. Uh, The Biden administration has appealed uh, to get that injunction dislodged uh, to the ire uh, of many Catholic organizations in the states. And that, of course, is a piece, uh, is of a piece. Uh, with the objection that uh, many Catholics have that the Biden administration uh, has a broadly pro-choice agenda does not support and does not support the, the positions, uh, the official positions of the Catholic Church on many issues of bioethics, sexual morality, and health care. Uh, and so there, there undoubtedly uh, is grumbling uh, in some sectors of American Catholic opinion that the Pope would agree to, in effect, join forces uh, with President Biden uh, on the climate change issue and, in effect, sort of give him an indirect papal pat on the back. This, however, is Vatican Diplomacy 101. Uh, You know, the approach of the Vatican through the ages uh, has always been that you make your disagreements clear, but you don't allow those disagreements to shut down areas of potential collaboration, because if you do that, you will never accomplish anything. This is simply papal diplomacy in action. Remains to be seen, of course, what it might accomplish, uh, but uh, nevertheless, uh, it is hardly a departure from the Vatican's typical playbook, and I would make this point, that playbook vastly predates Pope Francis. Uh, you know, uh, in the late 90s, uh, the papacy of John Paul II had titanic battles with the Clinton administration in the States over reproductive rights, uh, UN conferences at Cairo in Beijing, and the idea of abortion as an internationally recognized human right. Uh, and yet, one year later, in the jubilee year of 2000, Pope John Paul and Clinton were shoulder to shoulder in favor for debt relief for the world's most impoverished nations. Uh, Similar things happened during the Benedict years. So object if you like, but don't see this as an idiosyncrasy of Pope Francis. Uh, This is simply time-honored Vatican diplomacy in action. All right, finally this week, expectations of the Pope. Folks, think about the issues we've talked about so far in this week's show. Uh, We've talked about global healthcare systems and equity and the citizen activism and the intersection between health and culture. We've talked about biodiversity. Uh, we've talked about the, the inevitable conflict posed between the authority of the state to defend public health in the middle of a global pandemic and its obligation to protect individual freedoms and precisely where you draw the line. Uh, we, you know, we, we have also, uh, most recently, uh, talked about climate change and environmental protection and what's the obligation in the environmental community here. What's the scarlet thread running through that highly disparate set of issues? It's this. At least through a Catholic lens, the Pope is expected to have something to say on every one of those issues uh, and every matter beyond. Uh, Most recently, the Pope has been pressed for clarification of his position on the conflict in Ukraine uh, and the the balance between not wanting to antagonize a global superpower uh, in in Russia, but at the same time not wanting to allow uh, a small vulnerable state in Ukraine to, to be trampled by that superpower. Uh, The Pope is also expected to have something intelligent to say about Iraq and Syria. A couple days ago, uh, he met with a senior government official from Lebanon. He's expected to have something trenchant uh, to say about that situation. In other words, Popes are expected to have something to say about every issue under the sun. Uh, And what this raises is the larger question of what we expect, expect Popes to be in the 21st century. I have said for years... That the papacy is we have come to understand it is an impossible job it's literally an impossible gig now i'm not talking about how we define the papacy in the catechism of the catholic church or the code of canon law okay that's one thing but i mean in the street right in terms of the popular mind what do we expect popes to be well Uh, We expect them to be masters of uh, global geopolitics with something insightful to say about every issue under the sun. Uh, We expect them to be cultural critics. So if there is a trend in literature, art, film, dance, theater, whatever, uh, we expect them to weigh in on it. Uh, We expect them to be the CEO of a multinational religious corporation so if there's a problem with the collection plate at saint anne's parish in dubuque this week by god we expect the pope to have something to say about it uh, we also expect them to be master communicators uh, we want them to be on tv Uh, We want them to be issuing CDs. We want them to be doing podcasts, you know, whatever it is. Uh, We expect them to be able to, you know, move and thrive uh, in a multimedia universe. Oh, and we also expect them to be living saints, that is, role models of personal holiness. Now, think about it. Honestly, folks, any one of those things is a life's work. To do it well. I mean, you want to be a great CEO of a multinational corporation? That's all you do. You want to be a globally successful media franchise? That's all you do. You want to move the levers of power on the global stage from a humanistic perspective and affect the course of events in your own time? That's all you do. And most people, for whom that's all they do, never achieve their goals. They aren't honestly all that great at it. The greats in any one of these fields are few and far between. To expect someone to be simultaneously great in all of them is simply an impossible bone-crushing set of expectations. I mean, if you don't believe that, look at video of the young John Paul, when he was elected in 1978, this skiing, mountain climbing, Olympic pool swimming, athlete of a pope, and compare that to the broken, bent, frail, suffering pontiff we saw in his later years, it wasn't just age, it, just, it wasn't just the Parkinson's disease, it was the burden of the office. If you want proof of the point, ask yourself, Why, after eight years, did Pope Benedict XVI believe he no longer had the energy, the capacity to meet the demands of the office? And and although Pope Francis is physically uh, still in reasonably good shape, why is it that he is such a lightning rod and such a point of division around the world? And why is it? that there is this constant drumbeat of both adulation and objection to absolutely everything he does. And why is there constantly speculation about how much longer he can do it? Because, ladies and gentlemen, the truth of it is, we have defined the papacy in such a way that no fallible, frail, flawed, human being can ever ever fully satisfy popular expectations now you know is that all bad no i mean you know shooting for the stars uh, in in aspiring to something great th- these are not bad things but i think it invites probably a degree of compassion and a degree of perspective for the next thing This pope, or any pope does, to which you object, folks, the greatest hitters in baseball don't get on base six out of ten times, (laughs) okay? Um, a, A pope, once in a while, is going to reach and is going to miss. That is simply built into the equation, and it's part of, I think, a Christian perspective on what the nature of the papacy and what the nature of service to the church actually is. (laughs) All right. That is our show for this week. If you like what you have heard here on Last Week in the Church, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up. Please subscribe to this program so you will be alerted when new ones are available. Do remember that the next Last Week in the Church will not be coming out next Friday, April 23rd, but rather next Monday, April 26th. In the, what is that, 10 days between now and then, stay safe, stay healthy, have a fantastic and blessed few days, and we will see you on Monday.